Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we're going to be taking a look at the new uh, Jennifer Lopez, uh, Constance Wu film, Hustlers. I didn't know the best way to introduce that, so we're just going to go with that. Hustlers. Uh, we're also going to look at Mary, Queen of Scots on HBO, a film from last year starring Margot Robbie and Saoirse Ronan about Mary, the Queen of the Scots. Um, and it's actually better than, than my delivery there, so, so stick around for that. We're going to talk about... Uh, a certain movie subscription service that catered to theaters for a little while that has recently had some news come out that we're might, maybe the last time we talk about it on the show, but I have a feeling, <laughs> I have a feeling something will work out. Uh, we're going to talk about that in, the, in between our reviews and our death of cinema segment. Before we get to all of that, we need to talk about the news. The first story, NBC Universal has released a date and program lineup for their streaming service along with a name. Andy, please, what is the name of this service? When's it coming out? How much is it going to cost? Give us the details. NBC <laughs> streaming service, please. Yes, so this is going to be called Peacock um, because the NBC logo yes. is, is a peacock. That's and colors, where, yeah. Right, so that's kind of where this comes from. and It's launching in April 2020. There were 15,000 hours of content. Um, so as we said before, the streaming wars are here. They are in full swing. And like we were joking just now that we had the same segment last week with, uh, Apple's, uh, details of, of Apple's, uh, streaming service. So yes. NBC is getting into the game. Not a whole lot to report here other than it. It's just another service. They, and they are pulling a lot of big titles, mostly from TV, um, but they will have original films as well. And they, and again, it's all about content and, li- and, li- and who has the licenses. Uh, they have some pretty big, um, properties themselves, including <laughs> they're going to be doing a save by the bell reboot, uh, battle star galactica reboot. They're going to be taking, uh, parks and rec, which is a really big show on Netflix with them. So yet another contender, uh, <laughs> challenger has appeared. Yes. Uh, once again, we're greeted with, a new uh, paid subscription streaming service. This has got to be the saddest entry so far in the list of contenders, right? Like, yeah, I mean, we, we should go down like what's going to be in it uh, real quick, um, but there's no price here. They haven't revealed how much it's going to cost. Mm-hmm. And, and man, like along with everything else coming after Disney plus and Apple plus along with Netflix and Hulu and HBO already out there and even CBS already having something like this, um, what chance do these guys stand to get any kind of foothold in the market, right? Like, they got good stuff, but, I mean, there's only so much money to go around. Yeah, so I was actually having this conversation earlier today, and because I feel the same way. I was like, I don't think there's enough people to sustain all these services. Um, and I could be wrong, because I think what, what someone brought up today was, you know, p- people will probably decide on, like, four to five services, and then they'll probably just rotate them out. You know, oh, this show's coming up. Let me stop paying on this, and I'll keep paying on this. Meanwhile, password sharing still still a thing. So I think people are going to pay for four to five. Now, and I counted there are eight <laughs> major streaming services now. Especially Warner Warner Media still has their streaming service to come out as well. Um, so people are going to choose, but they're probably not just going to choose one. They're probably going to choose a few. So maybe there are enough people that if you can just grab your fifteen to twenty million and keep them happy, uh, you're going to be good. I mean, I, I think that 
I guess is valid. And for what it's worth, I don't use CBS's streaming service. I know you don't. I don't know anybody that uses CBS's streaming service, but it's working. They have a Star Trek show over there that seems to be functioning, and they have a few other shows. Like, people are paying for it. I think CW has some kind of paid tier or something for their service. Like, there's clearly a model for this to work, and you're right. It's not that expensive versus just putting it on television. All you really need is the server space. You've already got the content, right? People are already making it for TV, so you're just going to rebroadcast that on the internet. It's easy to do. It's it's For a big network like NBC, it's a low startup cost, and you can start it up, and you can make your money, and it's more money than you're making in TV now, so that's great. But right. Here, here, here's uh, yeah. I just pulled pulled this up. So CBS has hit its. Uh, they had a goal of hitting eight million subscribers. They hit hit that goal actually two years early. So now they're upping that goal again to uh, sixteen million or, or so. So it looks like this. The goal here is to just get a piece of this pie because Netflix has over a hundred million subscribers. So what they're trying to do, I guess, is everyone like I said, trying to get their five to ten percent of that and uh, make it work from there. Yeah. We should talk about like what's what's in it, right? I know you said a few things, a couple revivals, Saved by the Saved by the Bell and Battlestar Galactica are getting are coming back. Punky Brewster is getting a reboot, uh, a new comedy from Mike Shore who did The Good Place in Parks and Rec, which is great. A new season of AP Bio. That's like that's all well and good. And, and then as far as like their old stuff goes, they're going to have shows like 30 Rock and Cheers and Frasier and House and and King of Queens is going to be on there, Saturday Night Live. A bunch of good movies, right? ET, yeah. uh, Back to the Future, uh, Shrek, uh, the Fast and Furious franchise, that's a big deal. Despicable Me, Despicable Me movies are going to be on there. Like the the problem is do are like are people willing to go to the trouble to jump through hoops and cancel their stuff to get this or can't switch over outright or, or is it just not worth it? You know what I mean? Like Seinfeld, <laughs> right? A huge NBC property is is coming to Netflix in 2021. NBC right. is like already sold that off, probably to fund this. And Netflix, by the way, I'm sure is quaking in the boots. Um, I, I just, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm not a believer. I, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> well, and another issue is uh, this is going to make piracy go back up. Uh, someone sent me an article about that today. Is with all the with the film and TV licenses being so fractured. You know, again, people don't want to have five, six, seven, eight streaming services because then they're what they're pay, we're paying for cable, mm-hmm. um, and so they're going to begin pirating again, or in my case, buying physical media again. Like I would rather just buy that series that I really like than subscribe than add another subscriber service. Yeah, no, you're you're right. Time will tell, I guess. Just like all of these, you're right. The streaming wars are upon us. Uh, mm-hmm. They are here to stay. Uh, the only other notable things about this is that Peacock is going to feature more than three thousand hours of Telemundo content, um, including oh. some series here that's listed as very important. So, like, hey, that's that's certainly an angle to get in. I think the name is forgettable. I have no hope for Peacock. Uh, rip. Anyway, uh, we should talk about our next story, and I'll move through these quick because we should probably get to the reviews. <laughs> uh, I know nothing, nothing about this movie, uh, and Andy knows about it. So, Andy, you should take this one, and I'm going to quiz you because I don't know <laughs> anything about this. What is this film? Okay, so the the title of this article is Issa Rae, New Line Teaming Up for Set It Off Reimagining. So, Set It Off was a crime drama from 1996, um, by F. Gary Gray, who before this had, had directed Friday, uh, the cult comedy, yeah, um, and switched gears uh, to to set it off, which is about these four working class women who are kind of 
you know, downtrodden, stuck financially, and they decide to uh, start pulling off a bank to do a bank heist. And they begin, and they're successful. And so then they just kind of keep robbing banks. But but of course, as any kind of endeavor like this, their their luck eventually runs out. Um, this this was a big deal when it came out. You had four uh, women of color as as the leads, and it touched on a very serious uh, issues, social issues about social inequality, um, the justice system. It, it starred Jada Pinkett Smith, Queen Latifah, Vivica Fox, and Kimberly Elise in the. Uh, lead role so at the time it was a huge deal and had a great hit song um called days of our lives by bone thugs and harmony so that's what i'm really excited about is bringing back that song Mm -hmm. i um like i said i have not even heard of this film before now which is a surprise to me usually if a movie was at some point revered as pretty good i've heard of it right like i've heard of friday i haven't seen it um but you know i've heard of it and and like this movie has never once come across my radar in like all of the cruising through flea market bins of dusty DVDs and VHSs <laughs> of like film school and talking to people about movies and bars for four years. Uh, never once have I heard of Set It Off, a, a action thriller featuring female uh, pe- women of color um, in, the, in the leads in, from 1996. It seems like something I would have heard of. So you've seen it, right? You have an uh-huh. idea of what we're getting into. What do you think? A reboot of this is this stand a chance? Is this going to work? Um, oh, absolutely, hot, hot absolutely. It was a big hit back in the day, and a lot of people liked it. And you know, I think a lot of those issues are still really relevant. So you have that, um, and it can be updated because ninety six would have been you know essentially pre internet, pre cell phone, uh, much more you know uh, just a lot, a lot less technology. So you update it now, uh, you would probably have. In a more diverse cast, um, these are all four black leads. Uh, black women is the lead, so I think you could probably mix in some other Hispanic or Asian people as well. But also, um, you know, you're going to have cell phones, you're going to have internet, you're going to have you know uh, CCTV cameras, that kind of thing. So you're going to have to update it for the technological revolution that's happened in the last twenty years. Yeah, and and I'll be interested to see kind of the direction it takes, you know, when I hear about an action thriller starring uh, black leads uh, in, in 2019 or 2020, when I assume this movie is going to be coming out. I'm thinking of especially reboots like Shaft or this Eddie Murphy movie coming out, Dolomite uh-huh. Returns or whatever. Like, there's clearly a trend here, I think. I don't think this is like a one-off. I think there's there's something happening in cinema regarding this, and I'm into it because we need more of it. We need more diversity in the, at the movies, so great. Um, but yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens to set it up. Maybe maybe I'll, I'll see the old yeah. one before we see the yeah, new and, one. Yeah, and to, uh, to kind of elaborate more on your point, you know, in the old one, they rob banks, and they, they have very elaborate plans, but it's very much walking to the bank, we got guns, we shoot we take the money, but that, that sequence in 2019 is, has, has to be different because of cell phones, because of the internet, because of social media. So I'm excited to see what, what that would look like. Sure. A matrix reboot for all of us. <laughs> uh, the last story we have JJ Abrams signs an exclusivity deal with Warner media reportedly worth $250 million, a quarter of a billion dollars for JJ Abrams <laughs> to be a Warner brothers employee. Or at least his studio, Bad Robot. Andy, what's the deal with this story? J.J. Uh, Abrams is the bell of the ball. Everyone, every major studio has been trying to court him for the last uh, couple of years, try to get an exclusive deal. He allegedly walked away from Apple's offer, which was for half a billion dollars. Um, but but it came with a lot of strings, most and most... Uh, 
it, it was going to be exclusive to Apple and he did not want that. He wanted to have the freedom to work with other studios on other projects, which he still has with this deal with Warner media. So he's, he's of course doing star Wars and he'll have his fingers in some other with some other studios as well. So he still can work with others, but his company bad robot will be mostly producing for uh, Warner media. And this is their film, TV, digital and games all under one, one roof. I think you're absolutely right. When you say JJ Abrams, is 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 uh, hitting it off at the the bell of the ball as you said. This man is the King Midas of movies. You need to understand. <laughs> he really this. is. Every movie he touches makes a billion dollars. He can't go wrong. He's Will Smith in like 2005. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the man could not put out anything that wasn't a mega hit. Uh, this to me <laughs> reminds me of Disney buying Marvel. Which I know is not the same because obviously Bad Robot is not Marvel, but like Bad Robot's been around for a hot minute. You guys don't know. Bad Robot was making like Spy Kids back in the day. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. Bad Robot made like From Dusk Till Dawn, like the George Clooney film back in the day. Like Bad Robot actually has some footprints in this industry. Um, this isn't a small thing. It may seem like a headline that seems insignificant, but it's worth like understanding what Warner Media is buying here. They are buying a lot of properties. This is a pretty sizable move. It's not Disney buying 21st Century Fox, but like they're doing something. Um, they're they're buying the most talented man in the biz. And also JJ Abrams, yes. That's that's <laughs> that's exactly where that was going. Yeah. And and like it makes me wonder if this is where things are headed. Are studios like Disney and Warner Brothers just gonna start signing exclusivity deals and buying rights to everything that a group of creators can put out? Like, are we monopolizing creativity? I what mean, does this mean for us? <laughs> I mean, probably the, <laughs> the, the one thing that these, these streaming services all show is that it's all about who owns those rights and who has the licenses and who doesn't. And, you know, everyone wants, every, people are thinking, you know, what's this property going to be worth in 50 years? Yeah. You know, because a lot of those those movies that, that are listed, I mean, things like Jaws or E.T. that uh, are going to be on NBC's, I mean, pr- probably people hadn't thought about those films and their, their rights for ages. And now they're like, oh, man, this could be a, a cash cow 30, 40, 50 years later. So I, I think people, they want to lock people down and they want to own that property. Yeah. I I would wonder how, just to wrap this up, because I know we're way over time here, I would wonder how Disney feels about it, but let's remember, Disney didn't really want J.J. Abrams to do any more Star Wars movies after 7. They were like, we're kind of done with you. They brought him back to save the series with 9, but I bet they're not sweating this too bad. It's Disney. They'll be fine. You know? Yeah. It it will be all right. So, uh, keep it here on Offscript for more news. Things coming up. J.J. Abrams. Uh, and if you're like me, and this is very minor before we get into it, uh, you heard Andy say Jaws, and you're thinking, man, it's been too long since I've seen that movie. It's been a hot minute since I've seen Jaws. Anyway. Same. We should talk, <laughs> we should talk about It's a good movie. Uh, we should talk about our, our first uh, film of the week, something Andy and I were both very excited to have to walk up to a box office and ask mm-hmm. for a ticket for. Uh, Andy has agreed to graciously take the summary on this while he's doing that. I'm going to crack open a history book and figure out how I'm going to talk about Mary Queen of Scots. So, Andy, please <laughs> take it away. Hustlers. The game is rigged and it does not reward people who play by the rules. But it's like robbing a bank, except you get the keys. Are you in? I got So this is the new uh, crime drama film by a director uh, Lorraine Scafaria. 
uh, starring Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez, uh, as well as a slew of other kind of celebrity and media medium celebrity people. Julia Stiles is in it as well. So this is based on a true story based on a New York Times or New York Magazine article uh, about uh, these hustlers at uh, this kind of famous uh, exa- exotic club. Um, Constance Wu plays Destiny, and at the beginning of the movie, she is she's the new girl in town. She's new at this big New York club. Uh, she's kind of doing okay, but she she doesn't really know how to be an exo- a successful exotic dancer. Uh, she eventually befriends Jennifer Lopez's character named Ramona, who has this pretty incredible character introduction uh, where she does a you know pole dancing routine that everyone's been talking about. Um, it's a pretty incredible way to introduce a character. They meet, they, they hit it off well as friends. Jennifer Lopez is the kind of, uh, I don't want to say aged, is the experienced... Uh, <laughs> Dancer, you shouldn't she shouldn't say ages. No, don't. yeah. Oh, it, 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 I need to say, Andy. <laughs> she is. I mean, for Jennifer Lopez is fifty, and like she is. I know, like this incredible physique. You, you, still, it's, you it's cannot amazing. tell in the film. Yeah, it's it's absurd. So, uh, so, so they they hit it off as friends, uh, and and Jennifer Lopez's character um, begins to show Destiny the ropes. Teach, teach, I mean, things as basic as like this is how how you pole dance, and also, uh, you know, how you work the clientele, how you get the the most money out of them, and they begin working together, and things are great. And this is taking place circa two thousand seven, two thousand six. Things are really good. They're making loads of money. And then the financial crisis hits in 2008, and it hurts everyone. Um, all Half of Wall Street goes broke, and that means all these guys that were flooding uh, the club are no longer there, and so they're having to get creative. And they they begin actually going after these Wall Street guys. Uh, they get, they call it fishing. They'll they'll see if they you know try to spot them on a quarter at a restaurant. Try to you know get, get them to go for drinks, um, and that starts to work. And they eventually take this plan to another level, which crosses the boundary of of le- of being illegal or into illegal territory. Um, and that's kind of the setup of the movie. And uh, this was a big surprise. It's got a lot of heart. It's got uh, really good performances um, from our, our main stars. And there's a whole lot that worked. And uh, this movie really surprised me. But before we get too far into it, Zach, what'd you think? Uh, I think Hustlers was definitely surprising. Um, I'm go- I-, I will agree to that. Uh, um, for a handful of reasons, I-, I think it's actually surprisingly well-made. It's pretty well put together. Um, it takes a lot of like artist. It makes a lot of artistic choices um, that are that are kind of creative and work for a movie like this. Like it could have been so simple and boilerplate and like ninety minute rush job movie, you know. But like, it's actually pretty well put together, and it's got some good acting in it. Uh, um, it's not too gratuitous on the dancing because it's, I'm pretty sure this is a PG thirteen film. It shows. Not. Oh, really? It's it's R. Okay. Well, yeah. excuse me. Um, it's it's light R. It's not too uh, gratuitous. I don't think. Um, I, yeah, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I still think it has problems. Um, but for what mm-hmm. it's worth, let's talk about hustlers. Andy, where where do you want to kick this thing off? So, uh, I just want to sorry talk a little bit more about just my overall in, impression. I was really really surprised. This movie it looked okay at best to me. Um, and it really works as as a drama because it focuses on character. It's not like something like Magic Mike or I was thought of. I was reminded of like the 1994 Demi Moore film uh, Striptease, which was it was like a huge deal because it was like a major Hollywood actress playing oh, yeah. like a, a, a stripper, and it was this that looks like 
a kid's movie compared to this in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, ha- it has a lot of heart, and I think it's the focus on the characters. Like, Constance Wu and Jennifer Lopez have really three-dimensional characters. They, they're people. They have problems. They have issues. They have goals. Um, and that really works. And people are, there's literal, I've, I was hearing on some talk shows, uh, there's Oscar buzz for Jennifer Lopez for this role, which may be, may be stretching a little bit too, too far, but she is really good, as is Constance Wu. Yeah, uh, regarding roles, Jennifer Lawrence is, is fantastic in this film. She's really good. I was like, oh, wow, you're actually a really good fit for this movie. She plays this character really well, even the goofy accent. Like, um, it totally works. And she's got, like, this wild confidence that is, I think, reflected, of course, in who she is as a person that she brings into the role. And, like, it really generates this feeling of, like, momentum for this character. She's she's very bold and confident. And she's very inspiring to our Constance Wu, right? Destiny, who is young and meek and also, and I didn't know this, 37 years old? Which is old, like, because I would not have guessed she's 37. <laughs> yeah, I thought, um, she was, I thought she was at least 10 years younger. Yeah, I would have thought she was, like, 27. Yeah, so I'm not sure what that says about women in film that's for a deeper conversation but uh she plays this young meat girl just trying to kind of figure it out and and support her grandma and uh uh, you know trying to make her way through the world and she gets tangled up with this jennifer lawrence character and and they're they're very much like a friendship who did i say lawrence oh excuse me jennifer lopez (laughs) uh jennifer lopez character uh, and and they they start with like a friendship, right? And that's that's what this movie is really built on is is this friendship between these two women who obviously have problems and are stripping for a living, but like manage to find a place in the world because of it. Uh, and that's really neat. Like, and then and then the movie peels away from there. Then the plot is layered like an onion or like a, a you know a wedding cake. Uh, and you start to discover, oh, there's something deeper here. And it turns out, oh, this is based on a true story. And maybe this is past tense and not actually happening now, but this is something somebody else is telling somebody. And, like, it really starts to open up like a uh, like a serial cop drama or something. And, like, I thought mm-hmm. that was really neat. I was like, oh, wow, this plot is, like, complex and interesting and going somewhere. And it's yeah, told in a charming way. It, it really, I mean, I, I was reminded a lot of, uh, of Goodfellas actually, um, not yes. to, not to compare it too highly, but it, it was really because it was about the characters and it was about like the, the craft, uh, you know, whether illegal or I- illegal, right or wrong, it's about the craft of what they were doing. They were very serious about, they had found a way to make really good money and they turned it into a business and it was very organized and, you know, they went from making five six thousand dollars a weekend to six figures oh, a weekend you know it was this kind of crazy crazy story um let's talk a little bit about uh structure so julia styles is in this movie and uh, as a journalist and so the movie actually starts i think in the uh current timeline or like you know 2015 or so and <clears throat> constance Wu is no longer dancing she looks like a very put together uh kind of you know mom businesswoman and she's being interviewed by julia styles about everything that happened and it's clear that that you know they are no longer all friends they have been busted they've gotten caught and then it jumps back to you know 2007 2008 and kind of goes through the timeline of that so it jumps back and forth a lot and um i I really liked that it did i thought it was a good kind of directorial decision yeah i did as well and and you know you you mentioned 
Goodfellas, and it's worth mentioning in regards to how the film is made. Um, this film, I think, is definitely inspired by that, so much so that, like, the opening shot of this movie, just like that scene in Goodfellas where our main characters are walking into the club from the street, and it's, like, one long take of, like, four minutes, and they, like, walk through the kitchen and stuff and go through the back way. Uh, this movie opens with a shot like that. It's, like, a four-minute long take of Constance mm-hmm. Wu getting ready to go out on the floor for, like, the first time at her new, at her new uh, club gig. Uh, to walking out and seeing the whole club and the camera panning around all these Wall Street suits, watching women strip and like this music and super loud light. Like it's it's really engaging and it's very visually poppy because like you're in a strip club for a good portion of the movie. So there's lots of lights and things are covered in gold. Like it makes it a lot of fun to watch um, and it keeps things moving along from scene to scene. So you're never getting too bored. You know, it's always very high class uh, and very expensive Um and that that's engaging, I think. Yeah, and and at the beginning, the first act, the first act is when we have a lot of uh, time in the club, and that's when that's when actually the, most of like the nudity, the nudity and gratuity, <laughs> gratuitous nudity is. Um, but we also that's where we also see a lot of our famous faces. Uh, Cardi B is in this. Uh, Lizzo is in this. Some other people that I don't know, but that are apparently big big names. Uh, p- people that some of you might recognize. Uh, we get a really good feel of what it's like, uh, and not just to dance at the club, but to like be a working class people. Because I mean, these people, these women are working. Like this is their job. This is how they're paying their bills, and they all. You know, like I said, they're three-dimensional characters. Jen- Jennifer Lopez and Constance Wu, both both their characters have uh, children in this that they're also looking after and looking to pay for and provide for. Yeah, and I think that like that 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 writing is another element of it that really keeps me going. Um, it did feel a little long. I should I should start to, to lean into the negatives here before we get to recommendations. It did sure. feel a little long, um, and I think the writing was was a big part of that but like it's worth noting that our characters are becoming parents in this film at least some of them are you know they're they're having kids or having their kids growing up or losing a relationship with a father uh or uh but they're growing together that's what's important and like as they grow and time moves on and we get these cuts back to uh reality and current time um um where one of our characters is, is explaining exposition to a reporter as like, well, here's all this stuff that happened to me back then. Um, you get this really interesting connection of like understanding why what they did was wrong, obviously the crimes they committed, but like why they did it, and and it blurs that line of whether or not it was a good thing or a bad thing. And I think I think it's a tough thing for a lot of movies to do, right? Like have ambiguity in morals, right? So this is produced by Adam McKay, who of course made The Big Short. And one of the things that I keep seeing is apparently he's got a real thing about the 2008 financial crisis, and that's part of what this this movie brings up. And and there are a lot of uh, dialogue and lines where Jennifer Lopez's character specifically is saying, you know, we're ripping off these Wall Street guys because they ripped off America, they ripped off us, like. And no, none of them went to jail. So it's kind of like you know, uh, two two wrongs are justified to. Uh, that's kind of how they justify what they what they do, right? And I think so many good films do that, right? Like a good movie will make you question whether or not like what a character did was right or wrong. You know, like that's that's a tough thing for a movie to do. I would not expect that from a movie called Hustlers about strippers <laughs> that comes out in 2019. Um, it's worth mentioning uh, that I, d- I did like that this movie is kind of a kind of a thousand yard a thousand yard view of the 2008 financial crisis like that Mm -hmm. is worth mentioning you know i think of a movie like the big short that is all about it in a lot of ways this movie 
is not about the 2008 financial crisis, but it's part of what drives our characters to do what they do. And like, I think that was really charming. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more thing, I think I think I'm about wrapped up. Uh, just to point out things that I thought didn't work in the movie, uh, it does take some risks as far as like editing is concerned and lighting and color. But it makes a few choices in the soundtrack that I thought didn't fit. There's some scenes where the music is just too loud and you can't understand what characters are saying, Mm. which is weird. Uh, It's too long, I think. It could have been tighter. And um, I don't know. I I, I thought the conclusion wasn't super satisfying. Uh, Sorry. Go ahead, Andy. Right. No, I uh, I agree with the... It starts to drag in the third act or like from the second into the third a little bit. Um, I did really like some of the music choices because there's a lot of actual classical music in this uh, where there's uh, and so it's really interesting because there's a part where there's like a pole dance sequence but it's to like Chopin and so it you it creates this completely different mood and that's heard kind of throughout uh, the film. The uh, last thing I'll say is that this movie is really funny. It had it has lots of jokes. It has lots of I don't I don't think it's trying to be a comedy but it definitely is. There's a running gag uh, about someone who gets sick and kind of vomits every time like they get stressed out and it's it kind of hits every time but there were a lot of gags in this as well i, I definitely laughed a lot andy uh, any of the thoughts for recommendations i think i'm ready to go i think i've got one but i'll save it for recommendations that's the way to go that's mm-hmm. the way to do this whole thing andy would you recommend hustlers uh, absolutely. This was a big surprise. Uh, it was v- very good movie, very touching, very strong performances by our, our lead actors. Um, surprisingly deep film. It, it might sneak on my, my top 10. Uh, we'll see. And I mean, Jennifer Lopez and I think Constance who, you know, could both possibly, uh, nab a, uh, Oscar nomination. Uh, I would recommend it with caveats and, and really my big caveat is, and this is going to make me sound like, like the patriarchy or something, but hear me out. Uh, my big caveat is I'm not sure exactly who this movie is made for. That's my one issue. I, I, I would recommend it. I'm not sure to recommend it, like who I should recommend it to, because if it's supposed to be for like, I don't know, people who are woke, like I would argue it doesn't necessarily go far enough and like really stating a message, right? Like in a lot of ways, I think ultimately it's, it's, it's trying to be kind of anti- capitalism you know there's there's people on the top who have money and there's people on the bottom that don't the system is rigged we have to cheat our way to get to the top like in a lot of ways i'm not, like the lesson at its core i'm not sure is right strong enough for me to say well this is for young young women or this is for older women and like i know the stripping will knock off a fair chunk of the audience because there's nudity in this film uh of both yes, genders there's- so like that's I like I, w- I would recommend it, but I'm not sure to who, who to recommend it to. So if <laughs> right. you've heard this review and you've thought, you know what, this is interesting to me. I was gonna brush that movie off, but it's actually more than meets the eye, and I want to see what's going on in there. Check out Hustlers; it's for you. But for everybody else, I don't know what to tell you. It's a good yeah. movie. Well, it, I think you bring yeah. up a good point. Content warning: there is quite a bit of nudity. Mm-hmm. There is exotic dancing in a strip yeah. club, like right there's, there's drug use. Like that's those things are there. Like, I think my, like, my mom would like the message of this movie, but, like, the journey to get there is just a little <laughs> too much for her. Like, yeah. so, mom, if you're listening, uh, you know, content warning, I guess, watch out, love you. Uh, that's Hustlers, I guess, right? Like, that's a fair critique, you think? I, yeah, I absolutely, think absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, we should move on to our next segment. Andy's going to kind of take the reins on this one. Because um, I think he knows a little bit more about it than me, but I got hot takes. And I want to weigh in. <laughs> Andy, please take it away. This is the death of cinema.
So we're going to talk about an actual death here, the death of MoviePass. Uh, last week, um, MoviePass announced that it would shut down for good on September 14th, uh, which was uh, last uh, Friday at midnight, basically. Um, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know, uh, we used to talk about MoviePass almost every week when it first came out. It was a subscription service for $10 a month where you could see unlimited films asterisk uh up until that they realized that was not profitable at all and then tried various models to adjust that um pricing to to not be ever hemorrhaging money at one point movie pass had three million subscribers which they had gotten to in they went from fifty thousand subscribers to three million in like six months it was this crazy thing um but then they also had a business model that was not sustainable and they very quickly went from 3 million back down to about 200,000. Meanwhile, their stock price went from $38 to a fraction of a penny. Um, and now their parent company is, is facing investigations from uh, the federal government. Uh, so movie pass is no longer with us. Moment right. of silence. <laughs> so yeah, let's, let's just start to kind of dig into this here. If you're listening to this and you don't know what MoviePass is, the first thing I would say is go back and listen to some of our older episodes. They're all on iTunes. You can check them out. That's when we talk about it. Uh, we've been talking about MoviePass for a long time. Arguably, like, the length of this show. I think it was go. I think it really blew up, like, before we even started doing <laughs> yeah, off-script. Right. Yeah. I remember back when we were talking about doing a podcast and, and MoviePass was a big part of that. MoviePass was that app that came along. It was 10 bucks to see all the movies you want in any theater. It sounds like a dream. It doesn't even sound like reality. And now we're arriving at the end of this dream when we realize that, of course, this isn't really possible. Of course, you cannot have a service where you pay 10 bucks and see unlimited movies at unlimited theaters. It doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Why did yeah, it exactly. make it this right? So why did it make it this long, and why are we talking about it on the death of cinema? Well, it made it this long because it kept borrowing money and has outrageous loans. And this uh, this announcement does show that they are going to try to sell off the assets, which include Movie Phone, uh, Movie Pass Films, which yes, they did finance a whole film or two, the John Gotti movie, uh, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, Starring John Travolta, yeah. Yeah, so, it, and it's it's announced that you will, as they try to sell off these things, if you buy them, you are assuming their debts and liabilities as well. So, uh, good luck getting that sold. Yeah, and, and, and another thing worth mentioning, not only were they borrowing money, but they also got 3 million subscribers really fast. Like, they did go viral. That is where a big part of this came from. What did what did MoviePass do though? Like ultimately, right? That's that's right. That's, that's the question we've got. Right. So the thing that they they did, which um, <laughs> you know we were joking, MoviePass walked so other people could run. It's true. Uh, they introduced the 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 theater based subscription service because uh, now everyone's got one. Cinemark has one. AMC Stubbs. Regal uh, Cinemas has one. Regal, yeah. yeah one now every you. theater chain has their own. Um, subscription service. Some are better than others, uh, but before that, we those did not exist, and now they have one. I think AMC has a very successful one. They have over 300,000 subscribers, um, and yeah, it, it brought something that was not available here. This It was common in the, uh, in the UK, for instance, to have uh, subscription services for theater chains, but not here, so it did bring about this new era for theaters. 
Yeah, MoviePass, like, undeniably changed how movie theaters work in a way that uh, movie theaters have not changed in, like, 20 years. Like, these things were the new reclining electric seats for movie theaters. Like, this is the new butter on your popcorn. Like, movie theaters have not changed their formula, and they have seen a decline for a very long time. But when MoviePass came out, numbers started going up. People were going to the movies again. And it's also worth mentioning people were seeing things they wouldn't normally see. Indie film saw a boon the year MoviePass blew up mm-hmm. because people were going to see indie movies again. Like, theaters around the world had more people showing up. Well, around the world. Wherever MoviePass was available <laughs> right. had people showing up. Like, more people saw movies. Cinema saw more profit. Like, people made more things. Like, ultimately, I think MoviePass might have been a good thing for the world, even though it was a complete failure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. What do you think? It definitely brought us something that we didn't have. It, you know, it made the big players. I mean, because MoviePass was not in any way a big player to studios or theater chain. It was just kind of someone out of the middle, out of nowhere, trying to do this crazy thing that was working for a small time. And it made all the major theater chains and, the- and studios do something about it. And what they did is they created their own services, especially as MoviePass got more and more troubled uh, as they try to continuously adjust their uh business model um other theaters came in and you know did the numbers and came up with subscription services that they could really you know that were sustainable and and people bought into them yeah and MoviePass got theaters talking uh not only to america but like to each other AMC and Cinemark were, like, running similar deals on how they were dealing with MoviePass back when it was announced. Because they were hot. They did not like this MoviePass junk. They they were not into it. You remember there were, there were like, talks of lawsuits and cease and desist for MoviePass using, like, AMC and Cinemark's structure of ticket sales to basically skim a service off the top. There, there was a whole thing, man. There were signs in box office windows not currently accepting MoviePass. My local th- theater had it. It was crazy. Like, this thing made waves in an industry that had gone surprisingly quiet, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, that matters. I, I, really, I really believe that matters, and I think it changed it for the better. Um, so, yeah, it's worth talking about because in a lot of ways, yeah, this is more death of cinema than most things we talk about in the death of cinema, because something truly has died this day. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, movie pass rip. Rest <laughs> in peace. Yeah. 2017 to 2019. Yeah. We hardly knew you for what it's worth. Uh, if you did have something like movie pass and, and you wanted to find something new, uh, AMC has a great program that is very much like movie pass. They're running their own shop over there. The AMC stubs or whatever, which was a service before MoviePass came along, but it was much smaller and it was really concession only. I didn't. I don't think you got anything out of ticket sales. Uh, it was. It was very limited. And since it's grown and expanded, is now like a legitimate service with a lot of users. Um, so if you're bummed out that MoviePass is gone, uh, you got alternatives because it did actually grow the industry. I think mm-hmm. so that's MoviePass. Uh, it's the Doctor Manhattan of film because <laughs> <laughs> it blew up everything and and sacrificed itself for the. Needs of the many as a Watchman gag. Anyway, uh, we should talk about our final film of the show. I'm going to be taking the summary on this, and it's very historical. So here's hoping I get this right. Uh, the movie is Mary, Queen of Scots. Queen Elizabeth, 
Your cousin Mary has returned to take up her throne in Scotland. The Queen! So Mary, Queen of Scots, is the story of young Mary, uh, played by Saoirse Ronan. Uh, she's Queen of France at 16, and she's widowed at 18 after her husband dies. This is in the years 1538, I think, off the top of my head. 1560s. 1560s, so. excuse me, yeah. Uh, Queen of France is 16 years old and widowed at 18. And instead of being forced to remarry in France, she chooses to go back to her home of Scotland to meet her half-brother and resume her rightful throne there. But her and her brother run into some trouble with the Queen of England, Engl uh, uh, Queen Elizabeth I, played by Margot Robbie. Um, and the two queens ultimately find like this odd... Uh, similarity in how they have to rule their kingdoms respectively uh, and also keep relationships at a distance and not just be the woman everybody around them thinks they should be you know and 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 wield power but also wield independence and they find this kind of kinship even though they're at odds with each other and it's a very um challenging relationship the two of them have but very well acted um by Cersei and and Margot uh, very well set dressed this movie looks great uh it's available on HBO uh to watch right now and I want to talk about it because I think it was really rad Andy what did you think of Mary Queen of Scots um I, th I thought it, it I thought it th it's really well made there's a lot of great things about it there's some things that don't quite work but overall uh I, I was it's pretty stunning Mostly in the um, in the period piece part of it, uh, like the costumes are stunning. The hair is like the budget must have been outrageous for like hair and makeup and costumes. Mm. Uh, and it just it looks gritty and dirty. It makes you feel like you're in that time period. Uh, their accents are really good. The way you have these two uh, women and they're just surrounded by men who all want their crown and they're trying to navigate uh, their you know their own palaces of their own royalty their own royal court and then as well as each other because they both you know queen elizabeth is the queen mary stewart has an arguably greater right to it um you know it's, it's a very interesting uh, situation and i read about it and i mean it's it's like game of thrones like the amount of like backstabbing that <laughs> that happened in real life and that, that we get to see in the movie as well yeah, I think when we start talking about this movie, you're, you're right on track. The first thing we should probably talk about is the set dressing, the look of it. Because it, it, despite popular belief, it's not easy to make a movie that looks like it was made in, 15, in the 1500s. It's very hard, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, these castles they're in are old, and they are dingy, and they look terrible. They are on location most of the time. There's some green screen, I'll be honest. There's definitely a few shots of them in Scotland where you're like, you're not really there, but like, they're out in the woods, they're out in old castles, they're in super bougie, bourgeoisie joints that look like they were around in the 1500s. The, 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 the costumes are amazing, the hair is amazing. It all looks legit, and I love that because it really helps sell, like, I don't know, the experience of getting into the movie. And and along with that, the acting is tremendous. Uh, Saoirse Ronan and Margot Robbie are very, very good. Margot Robbie is not the subject of this film. It is called Mary, Queen of Scots, so it's worth saying as Queen Elizabeth. She's not exactly like the other half, the other side of the coin here. She's really only in about 25 minutes of the film. Yeah, she has a lot less screen time. Yeah, sure. she's, she's really not in it that much. But, like, she serves as this really fascinating foil for Mary, who the film is centered around, and her struggles. And though, like, her problems are far away in England, and she's still, like, a rival, an enemy, even of sorts, 
um, both of these women really have to struggle in this movie to overcome uh, one ma- male male dominance in a time when that was very common. Two war uh, at one point with each other. Uh, civil war is something they have to deal with. Uh, disease and famine and 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 misfortune befalling themselves uh, and their kingdom. Uh, revolution like. They have to dance with all of that and also, like, be people and be perceived as these, like, you know, women, queens, uh, in a time when that was not a, not a thing. And, and to have to deal with those challenges uh, as an actress and still put out, like, a really solid performance, I think, is is really compelling. And, and I can see why this movie got the buzz it did when it came out last year. Right. And I, I'm going to start with the performances really incredible i think that margot robbie though actually does a much better job with way less material like i don't know how she does it but she's just she's on another level um not that saoirse ronan's not good she's great it's it's strange so like because she has so much more screen time way more lines it's really dramatic but uh margot robbie just does a great job as this you know because elizabeth is like feels like the weaker person like she's more vulnerable she you know she gets uh smallpox she's as her hair is falling out she like she looks terrible she can't bear children like she's there's all this pressure for the crown and that's we, we get a really interesting juxtaposition of we we have to me the difference is elizabeth will do anything for the throne you know including lose herself lose her whole identity like play the game, do a lot of what the men around her want her to do in order for her to maintain that power. Whereas Mary is very independent and will not play the game with her own court to keep herself in in power. Um, she has a, like she's strong, she's strong willed, but she's a little bit too stubborn. She doesn't kind of bend when she needs to. Yes, uh, you, you mentioned something there at the beginning. Margaret Robbie is tremendous in the movie. I would also argue that I liked her more than I like Saoirse Ronan. And <laughs> Saoirse Ronan's good. I mean that. Like, she's she's good in this movie. She's a great actress. But Margaret Robbie has, like, this Hannibal Lecter approach to, like... <laughs> Uh, she's not her character's not like Hannibal Lecter, but I mean she's like Hannibal Lecter in that she's only in the movie for like very limited time, but she puts out such a strong commanding performance in that time that she really stands out. There's not enough time for her to fumble really anywhere. Like the sections with Elizabeth one are tight and scripted great and compelling and like, you know, they only have so much time to tell her story, so like we're gonna give you like the goods, the highlights up front all the time. Mary Queen of Scots uh, has to deal with a much longer narrative. Uh, and it does sag, I think, in the middle. I, I think you'd probably agree with that. Like it's it 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 feels long. Um, mm-hmm. It's two hours five minutes, I think, and and it could have been tighter. And at the same time, there's scenes that could have been lengthened. Like if anything, I would argue they just needed to cut cut the number of scenes out and extend the ones they have, and it might right. work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, gives gives some things a little bit more dramatic weight because you start jumping through years, and this movie doesn't really update you on what year it is or how fast things have happened. So. On screen, a character will say, marry somebody, and then 15 minutes later in the movie, they're not married anymore. And, like, you don't even know how long they were together, but it's indicated right. it might have been years. There's a civil war that comes up and then goes away within, like, 30 minutes. Like, I don't yeah, know. There's, there's almost too much trying to be packed in here, because you have, like, court dramas happening on in both Scotland and England. You have, like you said, civil war. You do, you do get some some impressive, like, you know... Uh, medieval warfare, uh, people in swords and halberds and 
Warhammers, that sort of sort of thing. So they're trying to push a little bit too much in here, um, and I. I'm also not real sure where where the uh, I guess main message we're supposed to get from it. it the climax of the film that we've seen in the trailer is uh, this meeting, which is completely fictional between uh, Mary and Elizabeth the first. They never met in in real life, uh, but we have this fictional meeting between them that is supposed to be kind of the climax of the film, a really dramatic point, and it just doesn't quite get there. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm thinking of exactly the scene you were talking about. And to be fair, like that scene is very strong. It's one of arguably the strongest in the film. Um, and it's pretty well put together. But it just, yeah, it just doesn't quite have the punch it's looking for. I'm uh, When I watched this movie, I was very, very much reminded of like The Favorite from last year, which was one of my favorite films of the year. So right, I know I'm right. biased. But like The Favorite, by the time it hits the end, like it's got so much punch that it can end on like a 90 second, like slow montage of abstract footage and you're like sitting there contemplating the film whereas this movie like it hit credits now it's just like whew okay glad that's over with like it's just it just doesn't quite get the things right it needs to get right it checks a lot of boxes but it doesn't check them in red you know like it just doesn't doesn't quite do it but it's good and for something that's on HBO like I think it's I well I guess we'll get wait till recommendations until I say whether or not it's worth actually watching but um, it's certainly a film that's available, you know, if you're looking to scratch that itch, you're looking for a complex female driven, uh, kind of political drama by the guy who wrote house of cards on Netflix. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, right. Yeah. It's, it's almost not, um, dramatic enough. I mean, cause it is like game of Thrones level drama in backstabbery and, you know, costuming. Kind of, yeah. You know, and we don't, the things that happen are real serious, but they're just not. It's not dramatic enough when a lot of these things happen. Uh, the other thing is, I couldn't really tell any of the men apart. Like, they all are just old guys in beards. And they're really hard. The only one who stood out was uh, Guy Pierce's character. He He's one of the advisors to Queen Elizabeth. Uh, he's a very important character. But yeah. the, the, like, and the rest of them, I had a hard time kind of keeping up with it. Yeah, we should mention that. Uh, Guy Pierce is in this film, and I love Guy Pierce. That man deserves an Oscar. Uh, he's he's brilliant. Um, he, I, obviously, he doesn't. I'm kidding. But uh, I do like I do like me some Guy Pierce. So I was surprised to see he was in this movie and turning out a pretty good performance. Confident. He had a goofy haircut. You know, it was great. Also, surprised David Tennant in this film, who played yes, yeah. uh, Doctor Who in the 10th season, I think, of the show. He is in this movie in a, in a role that at first was unrecognizable. Then as it went on, I was like, that's got to be him. Um, he's also pretty good. But again, covered in, in a beard and you can't really see him. So, like, his performance is very muted. Um, but, like, like there's there's a little bit of star power in this, especially with Margot Robbie and, and Saoirse Ronan. Like, clearly there's some money put in. Clearly there's some time and some thoughts. Just... I don't know. It, it, the directing is, is directed by a first-time director, a woman named Josie Rourke. Uh, she's first, first big feature, I'd say. She's done some some small films, but uh, the writing is by the guy who did House of Cards and Netflix. Like it just doesn't quite come together. You know, it doesn't quite line up perfectly. I right. Mean, it's close. It's real mm-hmm. close. So yeah. Recommend- anyway, uh, yeah, I was gonna say, are you, you about ready for recommendations? I am. Uh, Andy, would you recommend Mary, Queen of Scots? Uh, yeah, overall, yes. Uh, we have great performances. We have a great period drama. It it looks amazing. Like I said, the costuming, hair and makeup, 
the you know castles the dirty roads like you feel like you're there the the drama of what happened gets a little messy and gets a little bit kind of hard to keep up with and like i said especially when all the men kind of look the same um so it, it loses its way a little bit and i'm not sure what kind of the final message we're supposed to get out of it but uh overall it, it just it looks fantastic and we have great performances by our leads so overall i definitely recommend it yeah, I, I think I would as well. Again, I don't mean to say, well, it's because it's on HBO, I'd recommend it. But, like, honestly, it's on HBO. You, you could do so much worse just on that app uh, uh, than watching Mary Queen of Scots. It's unique, but if you're into, like, historical period dramas, maybe something a little Game of Thronesy, and you're looking for some solid performances, and ultimately, the, kind, of a, kind of a heartwarming story, uh, or maybe a heartbreaking story about... Uh, being, you know, being a woman in, in times where dudes are kind of reigning supreme and, and kind of holding on to your identity and what that means, uh, despite your environment uh, and decisions you feel like you're forced to make. Like, there's there's some messaging there that I think is really strong. And, and, and combined with the performances and the presentation of it, I, I think it holds up, even if overall, like, the thrill of the politics in it isn't quite there. Mary Queen of Scots. Probably worth your time. Maybe not. It's up to you. You decide. Uh, that's 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 the way to go. And with that, we should probably get to wrapping our show. Uh, Andy has figured out whatever we're watching next week because uh, <laughs> sort of. he's, he's always on that stuff. So what's what's the hot movies, man? What are we watching? All right. So we're going to be tackling the new Brad Pitt-led sci-fi drama, uh, Ad Astra. Uh, which we've seen loads of trailers and this was actually supposed to come out in May and then it got pushed to the summer and then it got pushed back again. So we'll see what that means to the movie. I, I'm excited for it just because I love sci-fi. And then we're also going to be tackling another HBO uh, film, They Shall Not Grow Old, which is the World War One documentary, which was a huge deal last year, and, and we could not catch a, a screening to save our lives. Um, this is the film where they got all this World War One footage added color had people lip read and figure out what all these people are saying because they didn't record sound at that time uh so there's voice acting like it's supposed to be an incredible documentary and i never we never got a chance to be able to see it in theaters because the one screening they had was like at 2 p.m on a tuesday yeah it had this very limited nationwide release and we really wanted to see it for the show and we just could not work it out they had a very i mean we live in dfw like dallas texas and we couldn't work it out like that's it's a pretty big city we get a lot of movies here um but it was just a challenge it's produced by peter jackson it's essentially an exercise in yeah restoring old footage from world war one to kind of highlight that that was a world war the first one that we know of in human history like world war ii is remembered world war one was a big deal. And I think that's really what the title is getting at. They shall not grow old as if this stuff will immortalize these men. It's they use like computer generated frame restoration and colorized. Like it's supposed to be this really captivating cinematic experience. So it's a documentary. And if that's not your scene, I totally get it, but maybe stick around. Cause we're going to talk about it. I think it'll be mm-hmm. neat. Uh, <laughs> And we, and we uh, I don't think we're, we're not going to see this. I'll make executive not decision. This, not this week, we're not. All right. But Rambo Last Blood will also uh, be coming out uh, this week for all you R- Rambo fans. That's right. Uh, you know, I'm going to tell you, this is one of those <clears throat> weeks where I'm glad we're seeing the movie we want to see. They shall not grow old because this is the home of bold cinema. If you haven't heard, uh, it's on our it's on our logo. But I definitely feel like Rambo: Last Blood is going to check a lot of boxes for movie podcasts because it's just so hokey. You know what I mean? Like people, pe- people, 
the stats the stats have it guys like we can look at our podcast and understand that sometimes when you talk about hokey movies that people don't want to see more people listen uh but it's fine because this is what we're doing we're doing the documentary it's gonna be sick i'm excited to see it you should be excited too so come back next week and check that out email us at mail at offscriptfilmview.com if you enjoyed the show if you weren't into the show if you got hot takes about movie pass or maybe jennifer lawrence being in a movie at 50 years old and being great in it uh our website is offscriptfilmview.com facebook twitter instagram all that social media garbage we're around check it out <laughs> Just come come join us over there. And if you can do anything, uh, if you've enjoyed the show, if you want to give back, just subscribe. That's it. That's all you got to do. Just subscribe. And maybe throw a rate and review on there as well. Maybe maybe that would be a cool thing to do, I guess. Uh, but it's up to you guys. Uh, from all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for listening.